days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. Stay on target. Maximum freedom. Stay on target. Maximum freedom. Read Rothbard. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Actual Anarchy Podcast. This is episode 60 of the podcast. You can find the show notes page at actualanarchy.com slash 60. My name is Daniel. My co-host is Robert and... We do movies from an anarcho-capitalist perspective, and tonight we're going to talk about Gamer, a 2009 action thriller that came out starring Gerard Butler, among others. Uh, how you doing, my friend Robert? I'm doing great, man. What, uh, what brought about this, this particular movie? I'm curious. I know you just mentioned it at one point, and I was like, okay, sure, it's available. I mean, we were, we were going to think about doing some other movies. We were going to do Blade Runner, and we probably will at some point, but that wasn't available to me, so then we settled on Gamer. Or is this just a off-the-cuff, who-knows idea, or had you heard something about this movie before you did it? Yeah, this was a movie that was recommended by a friend of mine who is familiar with the show and suggested that it had many good uh, meaty chunks to, to chew on and talk about. And I ended up watching it recently, and I'm like, you know what, it is, it, it, it's not like the best movie, but it has lots of really good stuff in it to talk about. And with the uh, IP DRM kerfuffle that we experienced related to Blade Runner, which should be available in our shared Voodoo library. But due to some where I purchased it, it doesn't transfer the rights to the correct spot. We were not able to share that movie together. So I settled on our fallback position of Gamer. And you were able to see it uh, last night. You weathered the, the freak ice storm and now the sideways blizzard to be able to watch this. And in the pre-show, you mentioned that you took copious, copious notes. So this could be one of our longer episodes, even though we're trying to get into that snappier, popular, quicker uh, type format, especially for the last nighter's version of the show, which is the normally friendly zone that we're about to get into in a few minutes here. Yeah, so forget out. I don't think I took a single note, maybe one line, and we still filled an hour easily. This movie I took, yeah, just 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 a paragraphs and paragraphs of notes. Um, not because it was a good movie. I didn't enjoy it, but like you said, it does pose some interesting questions it asks some interesting questions and then it and then it just kind of lets the audience decide you know 
it doesn't it doesn't make a whole ton of claims. Um, it 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 makes it, it the world in which this place exists though is kind of a strange world, but it's not unheard of in cinema history. This is a world like kind of like a future world where it's fairly dystopian and humanity is just enamored with violence to the nth degree. And this is you know, played out in all kinds of different movies where, you know, like The Running Man, where people just tune in to watch people get murdered. Um, in this movie, there are prisoners who get put in jail for murder, even though, spoiler alert, all murders forever should forever be called into question, because this is also a movie where you can take control of other human beings without them, without that coming up in court. Like, that kind of should be like, you wouldn't even know. Like, that wouldn't be brought into question in a courtroom. Did you murder this guy? There's video evidence of you murdering this guy. Yeah, but I mean, I wasn't in control of my body at the time. I think that would maybe come up in court. <laughs> but it didn't, or it wasn't addressed in the movie. But anyway, all murders should be called into question in this because this is a movie where people voluntarily allow their bodies to be controlled and voluntarily control their people's bodies. And um, it's interesting. It brings up, like you said, it brings up all kinds of interesting kind of um, control issues and ideas of, um, you know, morality and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, lots, lots to dissect and get into. Yes, this is very true. So if you're ready, we're going to get into the normie zone here. So we're going to sort of reboot the episode just real quickly and introduce ourselves as the last nighters, if you're ready to do that. Sure, why not? Just flying by the seat of my pants here. All righty. Let's uh, initiate normie mode. What is this? <laughs> you're killing me. You're corny. You're corny. You're killing me, small. <laughs> All right, initiate more normie mode. All right, well, hello and welcome to The Last Nighters. We are The Last Nighters talking about movies, doing film analysis from an interesting perspective. My name is Daniel, my host is Robert, and tonight we're going to talk about Gamer on the third running of The Last Nighters uh, film analysis show, unconventional, real unconventional film analysis. So let's That's dive. Up. That is us. Let's dive right in. We're going to do the Google description. Gamer, 2009 thriller action starring Gerard Butler, Mr. 300. Also starring uh, our friend from Dexter. I uh, don't have his name. Michael C. Hall, uh, which we'll refer to them as 300 and Michael C. Or as uh, Dexter probably throughout. But, and Old Spice. Uh, and Old Spice. There you go. So uh, 5.8 on the IMDb, 27% Rotten Tomatoes. People hated it. Two snaps up. Uh, 73% of Google users like it, though. And here is the description. Each week, Cable, played by Gerard Butler, a death row inmate, battles his fellow prisoners in a violent online game called Slayers. His every move controlled by a young gamer's remote device. To the players, Cable and the other inmates are just simulated characters, but to a resistance group that opposes the game's inventor, Cable is a critical component of their plan to end the inventor's form of high-tech slavery. Came out in 2009, a box office of $42 million on a $50 million budget. So a bit of a uh, box office disappointment here, but I think as we ana uh, do our analysis, we'll, it'll, it'll be abundantly clear why that is. But uh, any questions or comment on the uh, initial portion here? Uh, well, I take umbrage with the idea of high-tech slavery. Um, yes, it's the, by the way, spoilers for everything, of course. Um, Dexter's evil plan is to, at the end, slavery everybody up without their knowledge and, of course, aggress against their brains and take control of them and have them be puppets on his strings. But initially, um, it's a completely voluntary thing. There's this game, I forget what it's called, like real life or something like that. Society. In, in, society, okay. 
and uh, 300's wife works there. And for a certain part of the day, she dresses up in whatever the user wants her to dress up in. And then vicariously, these people live up their virtual lives through these other people. Um, but is this, is this making some sort of an ANCOM claim that if you voluntarily do something, it's, it's slavery, like they're wage slaves? Yeah, I got a, a big flavor of these people were not given many other opportunities, so it was almost the exploitation theory. Like there was no other opportunities available to them, so they had to subjugate themselves to uh, allow other people to control them via this society game. And there were many people who were paying to want to control others and live vicariously through them. So in that sense, I can see how the perspective is that it is slavery because they had no other option. So it is almost making that ANCOM argument or that Marxist comment, you know. Well, if this is a true, if there really is zero other option, it's only because there is some horrific government intervention or regulation preventing them from becoming entrepreneurs. And they're really, they're, they're, their options to earn a living are shrunken down so much that this is the only thing they have left. But that we're not told that in the movie. All we're told is that this is a really popular thing and certain people are obviously getting this is the best job that they can get and other people really love it and are willing to pay the price to control other people. Now, yeah, is, there, is there any kind of ethical issue, do you think, in the, the service itself, I think is a more interesting question. Well, my friend who recommended it suggested that the game society, where people can live their fantasies vicariously through others and can physically control them, like taking their, their volition away from them, uh, is akin to how people may perceive libertarianism or an ideal libertarianism uh, realized in the world. Sort of that uninformed or misperception of what it would be because they're basically partying and drinking and drugging and raping and all this stuff uh, within the game, all of these things that wouldn't otherwise be permitted in real life, but because it's within a game, then it's sort of a free-for-all. Right. Well, I, I still, and I think in a libertarian society, um, if you voluntarily join up and become one of these puppet people, uh, the puppeteer would still be liable for any kind of property violations. So if someone controlling you committed rape with your body, that person still committed rape. Well, doubly, right? Right. <laughs> right. In, so. in a way. Well, I mean, I guess because the person volunteered to allow themselves to be controlled, I guess, sort of. I mean, it would depend on the terms, right? What you're actually agreeing to. <laughs> right. Terms of service. Yeah. Because yeah, anyway, I mean, there are sex clubs where you, you know, voluntarily go in there and you agree that certain things are going to be available to happen to you and that you're going to be able to do other things to other people. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. That's all completely voluntary. So long as you have, I guess, many of them would have, quote unquote, a safe word, right? I don't, I don't know well, how this works. Got, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are certain rules. Everybody's got you know, safe words or everybody's giving their consent. There are certain rules by which this, this situation operates. And everyone that's participating in it is giving their consent. I mean, it, the movie is fuzzy on all the details, of course, because it's a movie and it's trying to tell a story. And it's just trying to set up this premise and whatnot. But I think if this thing actually did exist, I think some form of this could actually exist in some sort of a libertarian future. Or even a non-libertarian future, just a future in general, right? Like once the Kurzweil, what's it called, the singularity or the synergy? Once you AI. Can sort of, yeah, once yeah. you can sort of meld more human organic with machine, you know, the, the rise of the Terminator kind of shit, uh, you, you might be able to see some of this. And, and one of the future movies we're going to talk about is Ghost in the Shell, which takes it even beyond this to, a, to another level. And these are all very interesting and uh, uh, moral and ethical questions that, that come into play when this kind of thing happens. But 
since we're trying to, to move along through this, why don't we get into a couple of our categories? Um, one of them is how many tears jerked. And I think that there's only one underlying moment where there might be some emotion, and that is the family, his, his wife and daughter, and how they're taken from him. And the state is involved with keeping the daughter away from the wife. And, of course, then the daughter is, I guess, put into care or custody of Dexter, the evil quintessential capitalist villain who's kind of a cross between Gates and Zuckerberg and Bezos, whose goal is controlling all people all the time to get them to buy only his products and vote the way he wants them to vote and all this stuff. Uh, but then at the end, he's, of course, controlling 300 and tries to get him to kill his own daughter. So that's, that's the emotional component. Uh, any comment? And then a, a number of tears jerked out of you. Oh, there's like my entire rant is based on the emotional content of this movie. So this might be, a, this might, forgive me if this takes a minute. Uh, this movie could not connect with me on any level. There was the main point at which the movie slowed down long enough when it wasn't just trying to give me a seizure to have this government bureaucrat guy tell this mother that the state was loved the kid more than the mother or was a better parent would be a better parent and be able to take care of the kid better and basically ask the mother you know if she really loved the kid and stuff or if this is you know in her best interest to to have a loving parent as opposed to the state and that just that gets my goat every time the idea that some strangers that don't care and have no incentive to compete with anybody else have the incentive and the love for this child that they don't know as opposed to this person that carried the baby and you know gave birth to the baby and is caring for the baby for as long as it's been alive that just incenses me to no end i mean there are instances of true child abuse where i advocate for some people coming in stepping into absolutely when the parents are aggressing or unable to care for the child but this is not what's happened in this movie we're not given any kind of evidence that this mother is an unfit parent of any kind and the last person I would give custody to is anybody that the state derm determines to be qualified or capable. I mean, you've got a conflict of interest here where 300 is fighting for his life in this death murder game that is being put on by Dexter. So there's a direct conflict of interest where you would give that guy's child to Dexter. I mean, clearly we're saying that, you know, Dexter is this all-powerful dude and he's got strings to pull and of course he's gonna pull them to give the child to him but if any 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 sane human being would go no that looks like a conflict of interest no <laughs> but uh, at the end yeah where Dexter is like making him kill his daughter um, I just couldn't there was nothing in this movie that allowed me to care about anything that was happening and that my main complaint forgive me this rants continuing and it's gonna continue for a little bit further my main complaint is the hyperkinetic style that this movie is done in this movie is done in such a epilepsy seizure-inducing style that is just a series of images set to music. There's even one series in the movie that is an actual music video. This movie is done in such a cut, 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 um, uh, you know, extra saturated colors and just flashing scenes that I don't, you don't know anything of the context of what's happening. Um, He's thrown into these battle scenes. You don't know what his goals are. You don't know who he's up against. All you get are flashes and these little vignettes of action of him shooting somebody in the head and then shooting another person in the head and then another and then another and then explosion, explosion, explosion. And the audience has no context of what's happening, what the goals are, 
what he's up against. So you don't know what the stakes are. You don't know what the tension. There's no, so there's zero tension. All you're doing is seeing a series of images flash across the screen. Um, and it happens throughout the entire damn movie. There's one scene. It's just a little throwaway scene, but it stuck out to me because it was so ridiculous and stupid. There's a scene where Gerald Butler, 300, well, first of all, there's one scene where he, he drinks a bunch of alcohol and then he, he pours it into a car when he could have just taken the damn bottle. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's another question anyway, I had for you. Yeah, yeah, it's so stupid. It was so stupid. He like, gets wasted, and everybody's going, what's going on? This is your like, last one. You've got to survive. And he's like stumbling around this battle scene when he could have just grabbed the bottle. Anyway, so then he meets up, he escapes, and he meets up with this resistance lady, and they get on a motorcycle. And then the scene is shot in such a way, it's, like, it's a dynamic chase scene where they're like riding through hallways and little areas and they're kind of getting in the way of some people and some people are kind of like a, being offended by this motorcycle driving by and we kind of think maybe there's somebody chasing them, but we don't know. And we don't know where they're going. We don't know who if there really is somebody chasing them or if people are just getting offended because, yeah, you're driving down a freaking hallway. So it's just left with just a nothing scene. It could have easily been cut out and it would have been better. You just, hey, I meet the, the resistance lady. Eh, she takes us to the resistance base because we don't know how far they need to go. We don't know what the obstacles are in the way. We don't know why they're going. It, 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 the scenes just make no sense, and the, and the entire movie just makes no sense. The entire movie is just a series of, well, here's some action, and you don't know any of the stakes or the context. And so in that sense, finally getting back to my point, I had zero emotional connection. The only time I got upset a little bit was when the wife was talking to the bureaucrat about the baby. Um, other than that, it was a big nothing burger of a movie. Um, I thought it asked some interesting questions, but zero, zero tears cheered. Sorry for that super long-winded response, but I had to get that out of me. This movie just uh, it frustrated me. All right, yeah, I would agree. Uh, very few tears jerked. I think that they tried to throw in the emotional element with the family dynamic, but it was not, not well done. It felt like it was just thrown in there for the sake of doing it. Much like many of the action scenes like you were talking about, like the motorcycle scene, yeah, the, the, it's shot like a chase scene. They're going through corridors. They're trying to get away from something, but no, they're really just going somewhere. <laughs> it didn't make yeah. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, why, why film it like a chase scene when you're just going for a ride somewhere? I, I just, it, it, it let the audience expect something, and then it took it away, and it ended up just making no sense. Yeah, it was a total tease. So let's get into the, to the next category. So basically, zero to one tears jerk, so very low on our first category here. Uh, the next category I want to introduce is internal consistency. So the movie presents a world, and then how, how do they stick to it logically? Like, do they stick within the confines that they've created, or do they break those confines? Uh, an example I'll point out is in the initial opening action sequence where they overlay computer graphics, like first-person uh, shoot-em-up type game, there's all this, you know, save point and uh, kill and, and here's how much ammo you have left, you know, like you're playing uh, Call of Duty or something like that. So they, they show save points happening mid-game, but then it's a real person being played in the game by another person. So if you get killed, what is the point of a save point? Because your guy's dead, right? And then later on, they say, oh, this last one, they're not even going to let you get to a save point because, you know, the fix is in. And the save point there is defined as the end of that round or whatever, right? He's got to do 30 battles to be able to be freed. Uh, by the way, I like this movie better the first time when I saw it called The Running Man, to throw my David Spade out at you. Uh, it's almost an identical copy of The Running Man here. But, yeah, uh, it is. It's a big TV, big violent murder TV show. So yeah. all you, you're missing is just the host. Yeah, the Richard Dawson, who uh, he was great in The Running Man, by the way. 
But what do you think of that, like the internal consistency problem? Uh, you mentioned one earlier uh, with the motorcycle and the, and the escape, but did you notice the save point thing being an issue, and are there any others that you can identify or recall? Well, yeah, I see the, I mean, they, they called the movie Gamer, and they wanted to set up this situation where, you know, there's a ping, and the character is being controlled by this other person. So they had the, the gamer nomenclature and whatnot. I mean, they even have a guy, like, teabag somebody in the very beginning of the movie. But, yeah, the save point situation made no sense, uh, especially if the save point was not, you know, just the one at the end of the level or whatever. If there were multiple ones in between, what did that even signify or mean? Because, yeah, the guy just, he, he goes until he dies. But, so... Yeah, I don't really have um, other kind of consistency things other than I mean, at the very end of the movie. The guy finds out that, of course, you know, Dexter has his kid. So this evil Bill Gatesian genius guy um, apparently he lives in a house with zero security because 300 just walks in. And then there's this really dumb dance-off fight scene that was just, like, ridiculous. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all for the main villain guy being some eccentric millionaire billionaire guy where he's just weird and maybe he's got some kind of like henchman thugs that like to dance and stuff and like he's makes moves and whatever kind of doing like his Heath Ledger kind of a take on a villain like you giving him some personality great i'm all for that but the idea that well i'm just going to have Jerry Butler walk in and then we're going to have some dance off fight scene seemed really really struggled to fit my brain into this 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 world that they've created cuz which is it is this guy some all powerful dude or is he just like Anybody could just walk right in to his house. It didn't seem to jive well with me. Um, but other than that, I mean, the movie is full of kind of weird inconsistencies that I would probably have to go back through and really look through, and I just don't want to. I yeah, just, not, not really worth it. <laughs> I mean, how are the how's the guy controlling the guy? Is it there's some sort of a body Xbox 360 controller where he kind of motions, or is Jerry Butler actually motioning and doing it all? Uh, it seemed to kind of waffle a little bit on that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know, man. Well, to talk uh, about the ease of entry into the guy's house, it was because it was a trap. He knew that, that 300 was going to come to his house because he had his daughter. So he allowed that to happen and even had that like mirage-type lifelike video screen that looked like the daughter was there, and he ran into the wall before the dance-off. Do you remember that? Yeah, but why? why what's, my question is, why would he even care about having this kid at all? Does he not have the power to kill Jerry Butler at any time? Well, he tried to. Several times he brought in uh, Terry Crews, the uh, president from Idiocracy. Yeah, he had Old Spice try and kill him. But real easy solution to trying to kill this guy. Instead of having your dance-off thriller dance situation, it's like a scene from West Side Story, have all your henchmen guys have a gun, plus you also. Plus, you know, set up, you've got like this, if it's a trap, you could have a million different ways to trap this guy so that none of this ever happens. But... Um, I don't know. It seemed to me like this was a movie that had a really low budget and it was trying to cover up with a bunch of flash and style. That's, it, that's what struck me in this movie. Yeah, it seemed like uh, Dexter was definitely trying to be that eccentric Bond villain, so he couldn't just kill him, even though he attempted to kill him several other times previously. But he had plenty of opportunity, and then, of course, he has to monologue, and he has to like demonstrate his power, and he has to make him crawl on his belly and almost kill his own kid to, to prove what? I mean, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, other than he was trying to demonstrate that his technology could overcome somebody's free will. So maybe that was like the it, ultimate test. Let's take it back a, a notch. Um, Dexter wants to kill 300 because 300 knows too much, right? He knows that he was under mind control when he killed the guy. 
So why didn't the, that come out in court? Why didn't, I mean, when he was being put in jail, why didn't that come out? Why can't he just tell somebody? Why isn't that always on everybody's mind ever whenever a murder happens or when any kind of crime occurs? Hey, uh, there's this whole society where people are mind-controlled as a job and other people mind-control them. Anytime a crime occurs, uh, this whole system that's under, under control of Dexter is going to be called into question every single time. All right, I have a response to you already. So it's Good. a timeline, timeline thing. So he allegedly murdered the guy with video evidence four years prior to the events of the movie. And this was before society became a thing. So they, they did a little, like, we, did, we were doing testing on soldiers, and there were some adverse effects. And so the whole thing was going to get scrapped. So they ended up making 300 kill his buddy and videoing it. Presumably that video evidence, and because the whole notion of society and, and the slayers and the mind control stuff wasn't yet prevalent, he got convicted prior to any of that. So he's already in jail on death row. Okay, and then, so you're and then saying they that it did come out in court and everybody didn't believe him? I'm saying it's possible that he just got railroaded because of the video evidence, and this was before society was a thing, right? He was part of the experiments, and then the experiments were shut down, and then the tech reemerged later as society. Okay, so you're telling me that this, the, the experiment was just to see if I could get somebody to kill somebody. How good it is, right? How good, how good is the tech? That's why I'm going to have Jerry Butler kill this dude, this rando dude. Well, that might be part of it. I think there was some allusion to they were perfecting their cells so they don't age, and it was to extend longevity and all of these things, but there were adverse effects or reactions that caused it to be shut down. And they're a bit fuzzy on these details. Uh, this was the when, whole movie is fuzzy. Yeah, Ludacris and the tech girl were talking about, like, the healthcare system's about to collapse, and the prison system was overloaded, and here comes this Ken Castle, uh, Dexter, with this solution, right, to finance all the prisons with this gladiatorial-style combat, running man-style uh, combat to pay-per-view the Coliseum Arena gladiator stuff to then finance the prison system. Uh, so it, it, it's internally a little bit weird, but I, I, I can sort of see in my head that he got convicted prior to it being accepted that someone's mind could be, or their body could be controlled uh, beyond their own free will. And so he's riding okay. away in prison, and then society comes out, and perhaps if he were retried, then that would be a viable defense, but because it wasn't at the time uh, known, they would have just thought he's a crazy person because there's video of him doing it. Okay, so we're just going to assume then that Jerry Butler was just waiting for his retrial. His motions were being considered yeah, perhaps. at the time of the movie. <laughs> All right, so one more comment on this. So it does seem to be a very dystopian uh, world, and uh, it's, it's a little bit weird. It's almost like there's a totalitarian government controlling whether people can have their own kids, uh, yet they're allowing all of this uh, behavior that would be outlawed in real life uh, in the game, including the Slayers game, like murdering people, right? You are convicted of murder, so your one chance at freedom is to go into this arena and murder more people 30 times, and then you're free. Makes no yeah, sense. what kind of moral message is that sending to society? You're, you're, yeah. you're guilty of murder, and that's the worst thing ever. So how do you redeem yourself by, by murdering a whole bunch of more people? That, that just strikes me as absurd. And, of course, the movie is trying to say that that's absurd also. But in order for it to connect with the audience, I think the audience has to find some kind of credible, credibility to that possibility. And I just don't see that. I mean, yes, we live in an insane world. Yes, we do. And there's plenty of things that exist that I would say, well, that would never happen. So it's possible, but only impossible in the insane kind of world that we live in, which, fair enough. Yeah, now I want to touch on, on two things. Uh, one, 
again, is that dystopianness. There's billboards everywhere. It's like Blade Runner slash uh, Ghost in the Shell style slash Wall-E. Like it borrows those environmental aspects uh, to create, you know, the billboards on the buildings and, and the motion graphics, even on the pyramids and Giza and all this stuff. And it's like they borrowed things from everywhere else, right? Minority Report, 1984, uh, all of this stuff. Um, oh, man, I just forgot what else I was going to say. Oh, I hate this. Getting old sucks, man. Yeah, I know. Daniel just recently turned 40. Make fun of him. Yep. Make fun, people. Make fun while it lasts. Um, no, you're right. Yeah, it, it does borrow from all that. It very much wears its influences on its sleeves, this movie. Um, although I'd say this movie work, looks a lot worse than those movies you just talked about. Uh, this is a movie where lefties don't really exist. Because um, if there were a whole bunch of people being you know, murdered and brutalized and murdered and being given the option to, to free themselves by murdering other voluntary participants. I mean, we could ask if that's really a question. Is this really truly voluntary? These people are being held in a cage, and then they're saying, well, you can get out of this cage, but only if you murder a bunch of other people. Um, I think that the the people in the world wouldn't just be cheering on. I think there would be a whole bunch of people horrified and protesting this at every turn. But in this movie, you're just given like, the idea that this is universally acclaimed and everybody's rooting for 300 to win because he's like super world famous. Yeah, yeah, it does become that gladiatorial, you know, are you not entertained thing. And, and I do now remember what I was going to say is that because it's a game, it's almost like there's a sense of detachment from it being real. So even when all this murdering is happening on pay-per-view, people are cheering it on. They're saying, yeah, kill him, kill him, you know, blow him up. And, and they try to make the point like, oh, these are real, you know, real bodies. These are real people. But even in the uh, within the game society, when the thugs are chasing 300 and his girlfriend or his wife through the disco club and people are being murdered, they're chanting like the people within the game society are like, kill, 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 you know, like, like because yeah, it's that, a game, it's less real. Laugh. Yeah, it's totally Sorry, I don't mean to. I'm, I'm going to go off a tangent on what you just were just talking about because you bring up the disco scene. And the disco scene for me was, oh, yeah. Well, because there isn't enough epileptic seizure-inducing bullshit in this movie, we need to go into a disco where it's even more over the top. Um, this movie, to me, like I've already talked about the style over the substance, I'm sorry. I'm going to rant a little bit more. There's um, the action scenes and the, well, all the action in the movie. I mean, the whole movie is shot like one big action scene, sort of. There are slow scenes, which are to the movie's benefit. But the action seemed to be more about how many bullets can I fire? How many cars can I flip? How many explosions can I have? And then that's going to be a good tension-filled action scene. And they're totally wrong because you have to – I mean, I think Jerry Butler did a perfectly fine job. I thought he did good with what he was given. Um, he's a decent actor. But I didn't give one shit about his character because I didn't feel – and maybe there was, that was a movie he was trying to say is that, you know, this is like a video game first-person first type thing where you have all this violence and horrificness and it just doesn't seem, it seems real, but it's not real. Um, so maybe it was making some sort of a meta. But it is real. Claim. Yeah, but I don't and know, man. Detachment, right? It's, yeah, yeah, right. The detachment from the actual violence. And this movie, you are detached from the actual violence because it, it was like a Michael Bay movie where it's just like, how much shit can I cram into the frame and then have it all just be meaningless? All right, so let's get into another area. And that is when Cable frees himself by not smuggling the vodka in, but ingesting it and then vomiting it up and urinating it into the truck that accepts ethanol. Like why he couldn't just bring it in because he was about to, I mean, they were like telling him to go in, right? And, and here he yeah. is like slamming this thing. So he clearly yeah, could have brought it like in. A, there wasn't a, like a glass 
you know, checkpoint or anything like that, like you can't bring this in or whatever. I mean, maybe he didn't want the, the glass to get shot, but he also didn't want to get shot himself. So, you know, if he gets shot, then the glass getting shot too, who cares? You're dead. What do you care? So, yeah, that, that whole scene didn't make any sense to me, why he wanted to get drunk and potentially have, be at further risk of getting killed. Yeah, it, it was just stupid. And then all of a sudden, it's, you know, as soon as he vomits it back up and pees it out, then all of a sudden he's, he's perfectly sober. And, you know, adrenaline tends to sober people up, but, it, yeah, it was bad. Um, can I just make one, one quick claim about this society? Um, and this is fairly true worldwide, or at least in the United States. Um, the claim is made in this movie that all the prisoners that are fighting for their lives, you know, deserve to die, and that they, they've all, they're all been convicted on death row and whatever, and that this is a good thing, that they're voluntarily choosing to, you know, get out of jail, as if this is some sort of redemption thing. Like, their victim is dead. Them, you know, how is this justice in any way for the, you know, the victim or whatever? But the state, at least in the United States, the federal conviction rate is 93%. And that has gone up and only up um, over the years. Uh, and, and the feds are proud of this. Uh, can imagine that either they're incredibly good at their jobs or that there are a ton of innocent people that are locked away behind bars in federal prison. So I, I wouldn't support anything like this ever for that simple fact. You can't trust the state to do anything, let alone decide who lives and dies or who goes to jail for life. Um, so, yeah, uh, this whole idea is horrific to me on a personal level. All right, well, that's a very good point, but uh, we do need to, to keep it snappy and move along. So let's move on to two other things. Uh, I'll, I'll mention them real quickly here, and then we can talk about each one. Uh, when the game player gets arrested and what happens to him, and then also within the game society, when 300 goes in to retrieve his wife, right before the disco tech scene, the epileptic seizure scene, Gerard murders Rick Rape, and he is in the game, and he has been hired himself out to be in the game, so he's technically not working through his own will, right? There's, a, there's someone controlling him, and yet Butler murders him uh, in response to him about to rape his wife, I guess. And I could sort of like, if it was the guy controlling himself doing it, sure, something needs to happen there. It needs to be prevented, but because no, wait a of minute. the... Wait a minute. Hold on. What are we talking about now? Which scene? Before the uh, disco scene? Right before the disco scene when he goes into the game society to retrieve his wife, when 300 goes in there, and she's in this hotel with Rick Rape. With who? Rick Rape. Describe this character. I don't remember this character. All right. So when she goes into society after being dressed up by the big fat guy controlling her, and one of the yeah. selection uh, outfits is um, Pris from Blade Runner, but he, he opts for this uh, other thing, other outfit. But she's in the bar getting yeah. a drink with the worm in it. And then the guy hops over the bench and sits next to her and is like, oh, I thought you weren't allowed in here anymore. And he goes, I was a bad boy, but now I'm back. And then they go to this hotel room. Is this ringing a bell at all? <laughs> no. She's wearing the super tight blue shorts. <laughs> and he's... Is this, the, is this where Cruz comes in and kidnaps her? No. Okay. This is well, way, look, okay. This is, sort oh. of, yes. Yes. It's, it's, all right. Yeah, because then Jerry Butler killed the guy. Yes, kills the guy. Not not Terry Crews. He kills him as right. well. But well, actually, no. He, wait, that's at the very very end. But there's a guy. He goes into the hotel. She goes into the hotel room with, and then 300 kills that guy. Right. Who is being controlled by another dude? Yes, that's my whole point. Yes. <laughs> yes right. I okay. I remember the scene. Yes, and then Cruz comes and grabs his wife for no reason, and then shotguns Jerry Butler, and then Jerry Butler beats the elevator down to the basement, the lobby, and then they have a big dumb fight and whatever. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Right. So my question to you is, did 
Jerry not murder this guy who was – He murdered the – yeah, he murdered that guy. I don't think that guy signed up to be murdered. That didn't involve his consent. All right, I mean, all right. it's right. The, Jerry Butler, he objects to his wife being working in this business, I guess. As does the caseworker. But he must fully, right, as does the caseworker. But, and this is her choice to do this. And we assume, I mean, maybe she's done similar things like this before. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is being controlled by some other person. I would imagine it's in the term of agreement that, you know, you, your body may be used for sexual purposes. It certainly seems to be happening uh, in the flash epileptic shots of of the uh, society game right and uh, everything leading up to you know up up to sex i mean you're all wearing like these super tight skin tight booty shorts and she's like bending over all provocatively all the time and grabbing herself and whatnot so i think you know she's not surprised i would imagine by this series of events so yeah i think jerry butler just comes in and murders that guy i mean he's not he's not controlling himself right 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 so this is the first instance where he's actually killing an innocent person within this whole movie yes yes i would agree with that all right so let's move on to when the uh the kid although he's been murdering all the other convicts who are probably innocent more than likely innocent possibly innocent. many of them many of them (laughs) sure sure but this is the first like civilian right like not within the the slayers game right not within the slayers game i mean he's Jerry Butler is innocent, right, of that first murder that he's put in jail for. And, you know, all these other murders are called into question. So all these people that he's gunning down are likely just fighting for their lives. You know, I mean, even the, um, the uh, janitor guy that we actually right. get to talk to a little bit. But they are also trying to kill him. So, you know. Yeah, but they're all fighting for their lives. I mean, it's right. all gladiatorial combat, right, to try right. and escape. Right. All right, so moving on. So the, to true the, moral, guy... the true moral actors are the people setting up the game. Right, the, the Dexter guy and the government, right? Because Dexter, early on in the interview, with uh, what's her name, Kira Sedgwick. He says, "Oh, this is U.S. government approved, baby. We're paying for and prison it's voluntary. here. Voluntary, voluntary people right. love it. Sixty-eight percent, a cock hard, sixty-eight percent voted for this thing. Right, and these people are voluntarily signing up to do this to get out of jail. Right. So within the premises, yeah, it's all, it's still, it's still a mess. But I wanted to get it's to this because because we have about ten minutes left. Uh, okay. When the kid gets arrested for aiding and abetting a, a, a convict escaping a federal facility." The, the murder gladiator arena. Uh, they lock him in this room with uh, this guy who reminds me of the guy from 21 Jump Street, the captain. I don't know if it's him, but it, it, it's somebody like him. But he's got no lawyer present. They tell him that they're going through his hard drives. They seized all of his stuff. They're going through his internet history for the past 10 years, right? Because they've got it all prisms, right? They've got it all in their data center. They've frozen yep. his father's assets because his money potentially financed the escape and all of this stuff. Yep. Uh, that seems pretty fucking dystopian and crazy, right? Like, they're leaning on him real hard uh, on that. And I just wanted to yes, get your they are. Even that. though, Even though they're playing in this game set up by Dexter. I would think that Dexter would be the one called into question and arrested. It's, it's all set up by him. I mean, the kid is just a player in the game. I mean, we were only given this one gamer. We're not showing all the other gamers controlling all the other people, right? So, and, and we also know that there's a certain point at which the kid loses control of the guy once he hits a certain geographical point. So I'm not exactly sure what this, they assume that he could have done to get the kid, to get the guy out. But yeah, I, I could see them talking to him. But yeah, it's very dystopian, the whole, I mean, the no lawyer present. I mean, this, this kid's like super rich, right? At one point, he turns down like $50 million or whatever it was. A hundred, because they double it. And, and he's, only, he's only 17, uh, he said yeah, earlier. Yeah, he's like, nah. He's like, no thanks. He's not for sale. Even though he's only got like one game left with the guy or two games left at that point. 
okay, it's just bizarre. But um, yeah, very dystopian. Um, very fairly accurate. I mean, Sorry, re- repeat US that part one more time. Repeat that one more time. Dystopian and accurate. I mean, uh, the government has the U.S. government has declared that it has the right to secretly detain U.S. Americans, you know, with no trial for indefinite, indefinitely. All they have to do is say that you're some sort of foreign enemy combatant or whatever, and you can disappear to some black site somewhere. That's not like a conspiracy theory. That's mainstream news, fully admitted. Got the documents. The government. Well, not that they got the documents, and that's like signed into law. Right, right. The, uh, the Patriot Act and whatever else. All right, so we got, we got about five minutes left, so I want to touch on one more subject and then uh, do our final summary rating review out of, out of 10 here. So what was my last comment? It was, um, oh, The Geek Squad, The Henchman for Michael C. Hall, Ken Castle, uh, Dexter. The dozen or so people running and operating the game, the infrastructure of it, the, the, the IT stuff. Those guys are complicit. In all of this stuff, they're present. They're ever present throughout the entire movie. They're the ones who actually go and crack down on the humans, like the the uh, resistance cell, and they go in and murder all those people. And then at the very yep. end, when uh, the kid, I forget his name, is is it Jesse or something, he takes control of 300 and, and kills Ken Castle, kills Dexter, and then. 300's like, these, all of the De- geeks guys like walking away. He's like, oh, hey, guys. Hey, hold on one second. Would you mind turning this off? <laughs> yep. He's not. That's literally how, but, uh, literally what happens. He's not like, you motherfuckers are part of this shit, and you're guilty. You permitted this. You allowed this. You facilitated this happening. I would view them as part of the enemy, right? Yeah, and then the idea that he just asks them to turn it off, and they're just like, yeah, okay. And they just touch a button on their iPad, and it just turns off everything. And they're like, well played, Cable. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Tip of the hat to you, sir. <laughs> I, think the, I think, you know, they, they ran out of ideas. You know, it happens when you're writing a story. It's, it's, it is bad. It's just real bad. But yeah, the, the, the conclusion to the movie is poor. Um, it doesn't answer, you know, it doesn't resolve all the stuff. Um, Cable has his family back, we assume, but he still has the mental control thing. Uh, the guy touched his iPad and supposedly turned it off. But so, does that turn off society? So all right. those people are out of jobs now? Right, and yeah, then, yeah. He's destroying jobs. I don't know. Who well, knows? The, the tech, we don't know. But, but the technology now exists, and if it's as simple as touching a few buttons on some iPad, it could be turned on again, right? Seems rather sure, why not? simple. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it ends like very, uh, very open-ended, inclusively, and let's get into our final summary and review. So I'll start with yeah, you. So, okay, so this movie was a, a music video set to music that tried to be a movie, tried to have some sort of narrative cohe- cohesion. Um, it asks some interesting questions, and it sets up some interesting points to talk about, some kind of ethical lines that, you know, would you be comfortable with X happening or not? Um, but it, this it utterly fails as, for me as a movie. If Maybe I'm just an old man sitting on my porch telling kids to get off my lawn. But this movie was like an epileptic seizure waiting to happen. Um, I, I felt no connection to any of the characters at any point. Um, and the only, the only emotional attachment I did have happened by accident because I happened to, you know, hate the state and hate it when they come in and mess in people's lives. So, yeah, big, big shit show for me. Super not recommended. Uh, I'd say it's like a, like a two. Barely qualifies as a movie for me. But I'm glad I watched it. I am glad I watched it. I'm glad we had this discussion because it is it does pose interesting questions. All right, so I'll take the baton. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much summarizes my feelings as well. Though my my rating might be just a hair higher. Uh, I am glad that I saw the movie, and I'm glad that it brought up so many topics of discussion because there are a lot of interesting facets that that bear 
uh, talking through. But you're right, it's not like a, a good movie by any stretch. There's so many plot holes and inconsistencies and just flash kind of overlaying the whole thing to try to make it kind of this attractive, over-kinetic action, like seizure-inducing um, action movie, you know? And it's... Uh, it's not something I do want to watch again, though it was, like I said, worth watching, and I think that it, it did bring up a lot of things to discuss. So I'm going to go with a 3.5 on this, uh, just because of, of the amount of content that was able to be brought to be discussed. Fair enough. Not, you're not wrong. I mean, if people, if people are out there that actually like this movie, you know, you're not wrong. You like what you like. If, if this, I mean, this is a very heavily stylized movie, and you know, different styles are not for different people. So this movie was very much not for my style, my sensibilities. Um, if this is more, you know, a younger generation style that this really appeals to them, then, you know, go for it. But I, I think you lose emotional connection when context is lost, when it's just a bunch of gloss, a bunch of flash and style and style over substance. It just wasn't, wasn't good. All right. Well, well said. Well, hey, let's uh, wind down the last nighters here. We are the last nighters, Robert and Daniel. And please subscribe, like, comment, etc. down on the uh, YouTube channel here. And, uh, uh, we say good night. Good night from last night. And we're going to keep on trucking just for a few more minutes on Actual Anarchy. Uh, thank you guys for joining us so much on uh, this episode of Gamer. Um, we do a little bit of inside baseball, letting you guys see that we're doing a, an encapsulated version of the show within a show. So you're kind of like on, on the Insiders Club. And you can get even more Insider stuff by joining our cadre or supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash readrothbard. We've got many different uh, prizes that you can uh, earn or, or achievements unlocked shall we say, achievement levels, uh, since we're talking about Gamer. And you can find uh, all of those things also on our tip jar page at actualanarchy.com slash tip jar. And you can find the show notes page for this at actualanarchy.com slash 60. And uh, what do we have coming up next, Robert? I think we've got uh, Ghost in the Shell. Is that right? Yeah, Ghost in the Shell. And then we got, um, uh, what's that other movie? Oh, Blade Runner and all that stuff. Blade Runner and then the, the, the sequel, the remake. Right. And one other thing I do want to do is, is uh, do another Bill Murray because we're coming up on Groundhog Day, so I think that would be a fun one to do. Sure. You know, I just had a thought. I think the movie kind of missed – I mean, they were going for the whole gamer vibe, and you got these mentally accelerated people. Why didn't they have, like, level-ups and stuff? Like, you get extra mental quickness or dexterity or reflexes or augmented this or that. Sure seemed like you could have gone through the game and, you know, gotten power-ups and I – mean, they could have they could have taken it to another level with the whole gamer analogy thing. They did do a little bit of that with upgrades, where they they got him body armor and then also that new weapon that had the multi uh, multi round like the rocket munition thing. Yeah, yeah, right. So he was buying yeah. game like power ups, but you're right, it wasn't like the abilities of the character grew uh, or the reaction time like got slimmer and slimmer because that that right. ping that delay. But yeah, they could have taken it a little bit further. But I think that there was enough flash and overlay stuff already happening that they didn't really need to go there. You're probably correct. They definitely didn't need to go a lot of places in that movie. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's shut this one down. I don't think we're going to do any uh, Kathy Turner Overdrive because uh, it's midday. I got to head in and uh, see the kiddos. But thank you guys all for joining us. Uh, this is the first episode that we simultaneously recorded and also live streamed for the Cadre members. So thank you guys for being Cadre members. And uh, check out the uh, show notes page, actualanarchy.com slash 60. I'll say goodnight and hand the mic to Robert. Yeah, thanks for listening on this uh, as we continue to evolve and explore and try new things with the show. Become more transparent and available to you. It's been great. Um, continue to support the show. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next time. 
Peace out, homies. Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 do